Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and it is our first book club episode of the year. Today, we're digging into Mariah Carey's autobiography, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, written with Michaela Angela Davis. And we get to dig in with the queen of celebrity memoirs herself, our returning guest, Chelsea Devantes. You have to check out Chelsea's podcast, Celebrity Book Club with Chelsea Devantes, to hear the best takes on all of the celebrity memoirs every other week. Today, we're talking about Mariah Carey, her relationship to her family, her relationship to her mixed-race identity, her famous lovers, her meltdowns, everything. So there are some minor spoilers on this one. Also, because it is January 2023 and Spare by Prince Harry is very much the moment, he does make a few appearances in today's episode. It really only feels right. Listen to the end of today's episode to find out what our February book club pick will be. Quick reminder, every single thing we talk about on each episode of The Stacks can be found in the link in the show notes. If you love the show and you want more of it, please, please, please go to patreon.com slash the stacks and join the stacks pack. It's a great way to support my work in creating the stacks each week. And what's more, you earn perks for yourself like our monthly virtual book club, our top-notch Discord community, discounts on merch, and of course, you get a monthly bonus episode. So you win, the Stacks wins, because truthfully, there is no way I could make the show without the Stacks pack. Head to patreon.com slash the Stacks to join. I want to give a shout out to some of our newest members, Christina N., Tiffany, Vanessa, Harry Cassius, Maggie Kate Coleman, Nicholas Francis Havey, Teresa Toll, and Anthony Ocampo. Thank you all so much. And of course, thank you to the entire Stacks Pack for holding this show down every single week. All right. Now it is time for my conversation with Chelsea Devantes about Mariah Carey's memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey. And again, be warned, there are some minor spoilers here. All right, everybody, we're back. I'm joined again by the wonderful Chelsea Devantes, and we are talking today for the Stacks Book Club about The Meaning of Mariah Carey by Mariah Carey with Michaela Angela Davis. Chelsea, welcome back. I am so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this all month. I'm really excited that you're back. I'm really excited we're talking about this book. My biggest flaw as a podcast host is that I always forget to tell people what the book is about. So I'm going to do that now before we dive in. Good. It's a celebrity memoir. So if you're not familiar with that idea, then you'll need this. But everyone else, you probably know what this book is about. It's about Mariah Carey's life. Um, And it starts in her childhood and she talks about growing up and then she gets into her celebrity and then it takes us to the present, which in this case is like 2019, 2020. Because I think the book came out in 2020. So that's what the book's about. Mariah Carey, famous pop star. Can I can I also offer a summary? Yes. It is. It is what the true screenplay of Glitter should mm. have been. So Glitter is like very, very close to Mariah's life and this book oh. journey. And then it has some like really corny twists and turns. I'm a glitter stand, by the way. I'll, I'll ride hard for that movie. I've never I, seen it because I love Mariah so much that I was scared to see it. Like I thought it would ruin no, her for you'll me. love it. So okay. I yeah. So I also had never seen it because I was like, I don't want to watch some trash movie and read Mariah's book and put on glitter and thought <laughs> it was so great to have just like a fun campy movie to watch. I think okay. it was in the middle of quarantine, too. Oh, okay. um, it's fantastic. And it's an incredible it's fantastic as in like if you love like 
fun trash. It's okay. fantastic. Okay. <laughs> and it's a great accompaniment to the book because you can see that, that what the book is, is what glitter was supposed to be Ooh. and then ethically failed to be. Got it. Okay. Okay. I'm glad for the glitter plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just got to get that off the top. We're talking glitter people. Um, so we always start here. Generally, what did you think of the book? I loved it. I thought it was a gift. Uh, going back and rereading it, um, you know, it was the third episode I did on my podcast and I attempted to have it be the first because it had come out like days before. Oh, okay. Um, but I was so new to podcasting that I did a three hour recording okay. and they were like, ma'am, no, <laughs> ma'am, try again. <laughs> so um, going back and revisiting it was such a good reminder of just how great of a celebrity memoir this one is, yeah. given that I've maybe done like 60 books since, you know, it's, right. I, I think it's lyrical. I think it's stunning. And I think it's a reclaiming, a reclamation of a narrative that our culture needed. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, as I said, uh, and we can get into this more, Mariah Carey is like one of the most important celebrities to me, like or was as a child, because I'm also mixed and I have a black yeah. dad and a white mom. And I just remember she meant a lot to my dad when I was a kid. And so like, it was always like, oh, Mariah Carey, she's so beautiful. She's so talented. And she's black. Like she's black. She's black. you know, like that she was not some white girl. Like it was so important to my dad. And so she was so important to me in that way. And I'm glad that this book, like I, what I think the biggest takeaway for me from this book was like a lot of the stuff on race that she did talk about. Overall, I thought it was great. There are some structural issues and some accountability mm. issues that I think we <laughs> could get into later. I'm excited to hear those. I will say hearing what you said about how much she's meant to you and your dad and how that had to deal with her also being black would like would mean so much to her because in this book yeah her feelings about Tommy Mottola you know whitewashing her and right. people not seeing that side of her it are so intense so yeah. I think I think she would love to know that that people still knew and it still it still was a part of her story in some places yeah I mean it was I you know obviously I have a lot of mixed friends because when you're mixed you know you have mixed friends because your parents are like oh we should hang out because we're all so interracial <laughs> and she was like the most important woman or girl yeah. to all of us like dream lover are you kidding me there's nothing uh, nothing tops dream lover for a, a mixed girl from the 90s you know yeah. like, that's it that's the list I mean, the ODB fantasy, fantasy. remix is Ugh. what kicked off our wedding. It, you know what I mean? I like, love it. I, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, oh my yeah. gosh. and we were, my, my husband and I were in an argument. He was like, it has to be dream lover. I'm like, it has to be fantasy. You know? Yeah. She's, she's such an incredible artist and her letting everyone know, like I wrote those songs and yes. I'm an actual musician is a big part of this book. And I, I did not know that side of her. I didn't know that either. You often, they're like, oh, I wrote some music too. And I think, you know, very judgy, very sexist. You're like, okay. Um, and then you read this book and you go, yes, yes, yeah, you did. You wrote it. And like, there's this the great moment in the book where she's like, you know, just getting started. She's 18 or whatever, running around New York City in her flappy shoes. And she's like talking to a singer who she's doing backup singing for. And she's like, the the singer who's more established, it's like, oh, I love that song. I'd love to use it. And Mariah's like, no, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> this fine. is my song. And I know it's a good song. And I like, I love working with you. I need the money, but I don't need it that bad. Like, I know my worth. And I think that's just such an important moment and like such a true, I think that that story like embodies so much of who Mariah Carey is, is like, you might think that I'm cute and dumb and yes, I can sing, but also I know that I'm great. Like I know that yeah. I know my shit and you can't take that away from me no matter what, no matter who you are. You can't, can't take, take that, that away from yeah. me. <laughs> Famous lyric. Um, Mariah's anthem subtitle. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, and I think the thing I love about this book is how detailed it is about what gave her that sense mm -hmm. of I know I'm great, which is that her childhood was so horrifically traumatic that music was quite literally all she had, whether it was her joy or the one skill like coming out of, of her body that she was like, oh, this is mine. It was the only path she had to get out of her terrible, like impoverished, abusive childhood. And I do think it's like so easy to say like, oh, just like know your worth girlfriend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like don't let anyone step on you. And I think to know that like, that's how, uh, that's, 
it's not what has to happen, but like those are the extreme circumstances that led her to at 18 years old be like, this is my song and it's mine because it's my only chance. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk. Let's start with her childhood. First and foremost, the fact that she played Hoddle in Fiddler on the Roof is just truly one of my great joys in life. I am a Fiddler on the Roof stan. That yes. song is beautiful. And I was so excited when not only I heard the story, but I saw the picture of her in her little costume singing into the microphone. I I knew I loved Mariah, but I didn't know that I was going to love her even more. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a Facebook group of all those theater kids being like who were there that year all going. Do you remember that like one girl who came in and starred and then left the camp and never got yeah, to come yeah. back? That was Mariah Carey. No. <laughs> Oh my God. There's a whole Facebook group of them just being sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in wonderment of like that one summer as kids, that was oh Mariah. Oh my God. And also, I also had a cat named Morris as a child. So I feel like Ooh. really connected to her. Um, one of the things that I took away from her childhood, obviously very horrible, but a thing that I never loved about Mariah, like her music was that she had all these fucking anthems that were like, you can't take this away from me, a hero, like all these really like empowering anthems. But in reading this book, I was like, this is exactly right. She wrote all of these songs because she was in like this darkness and despair and needed it for herself. And it's yeah. made me love the songs more. I can't stop listening to Mariah's anthem. Uh, oh, yeah. And the album that came out with this book is just so beautiful. I love that as a kid, you were like, I'm looking for bops, girl. I'm looking like, for bops. I'm bop looking for up. emotions. I'm looking for a daydream. I can do vision of love. I want a vibe. Honey is my number one. And she was like giving me all these ballads about how horrible things are and how you'll get make it through. And I'm like, no, honey, like I want to body roll. <laughs> that is so funny. We're flipped on that. I was like, oh. my crying queen. <laughs> like, you were like, I need these the anthems. Night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I So I want to know what you thought about the mom and the dad, because they sort of get like very specific edits in this book. And like mm -hmm. she has very differing opinions about them. And I'm curious what you what what that was like for you reading it. Yeah. So I, I have a very strong take on this, which is that her mom, her mom was an opera singer. The 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 woman who was supposed to make it right. Yeah. Who believed went to Juilliard, went to Juilliard, yelled at Mariah like you can't sing like me when she's just a child. So a lot of like jealousy, a lot of poison. And then her mom, which we'll get into, I'm sure does a lot of like truly horrific career ending things towards Mariah and emotionally horrible things. And then it it's kind of brilliant because for the rest of the book, Mariah quietly hates women. And she I think she still does. Like she's just overall not a fan. Yeah. And you yeah. can see it's because she her trust was so like she just sees her mom and all these women. I think it like bleeds into like why she hates JLo so much. It's like a woman cubby for her. At the end of the book, she just goes into this chapter that's like 10 men's names and how great these men are. There's not one for women. She does know? do the Aretha and the Diana Ross. Yeah, but those are like musical respect. Yes. Like they're not friends. They're, they're not, not friends. beautiful stories. It's just like I respect artists. And I think she does that whole section because she's trying to tell younger artists to respect her. I agree. Like this is what you do yeah. when you respect women. Ariana right. Grande. Like that's right. I think that's what she's saying. Right. And then <laughs> she because her dad is gone for a lot of her life, she then comes to this huge forgiveness Christian journey with him at the end. Right. The Christian and was the Christianity a surprise for you? Huge surprise. I had no idea. I had huge no idea. No idea. And like it doesn't really show up anywhere else. I mean, yeah. It's, it's like, like the pastor into the dad and then it doesn't come back and it's not really there before. Yeah. And then like with her dad at the end, though, it's like God, God, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. God. And like reverence for father, mother's the wicked witch. And which I have to say, like, both of them were quite wicked. Yes. But she was able to find all this love for her dad and forgiveness for her dad. I just think it's it's really kind of poisoned her her other relationships. Well, and I think like it was really interesting to me because even in the beginning, before we get to how terrible both of her parents were to her, she frames her dad in a much better light from the beginning. And also she talks about her blackness a lot in the book. And that and her dad is her black parent. And she, you know, continually identifies as black. She continually talks about like her love of hip hop, which was, you know, especially then was like, this is a black thing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like there wasn't there were a few whites, but it, it wasn't like Macklemore winning Grammys. You know, it was it was a black people <laughs> thing. And I feel like because her dad left and disappeared and wasn't bugging her, but also wasn't there. And then basically like had been following her and had like because when he's dying, she like goes to his house and he has like a scrapbook of all of her. That's that's all the fucked up fathers I have to point out, by the way. Like, there's so many memoirs that are like, I never met my dad, and at the very end, he had a scrapbook. It's like, this motherfucker could scrapbook your face, but right. could not call. Like, right. this isn't a right. beautiful thing. Like, I agree. Winona Judd's father's like, kept every article. I'm like, this isn't a good thing. Right. That's not being a dad. That's being a super That's not fan. Being a dad. Yeah. But I feel like for her, a person who is like so desperate to be loved and to be seen and to be told that she's done a good job and is a good girl. Right. She keeps saying how she's stuck at 12 years old. So for someone to like love her work and be proud of her is all she's ever wanted. And so she's able to forgive everything because he and he's proud of her in a way that her mom is not is like not. she takes her mom to all these grand things and her mom will just kind of be quiet or neutral or embarrassing or sad for herself or horribly embarrassing. And I, I think what you called out too about like it does feel like she's sort of fighting this battle of like when she came out onto the scene. I mean, there's people when I first uh, book club this book said they didn't know she was black still. Yes, that was. 2020. And so I think she's like so mad that she was like introduced on the scene purposefully ambiguous, purposefully whitewashed, that she's like coming back for it. And I do think that has made it like you, I think what you're saying is like also closer to her dad because that's the side she missed out on because he was gone. Yeah. And, and because she does reconnect with his, her cousin Vinny, who is on his side, who has all the family you know, arc. she's like the family archivist. So she has all the pictures and she knows about where the church is and this and that. And so I think also the connection to that family because her white family disowned her mom. So there's mm-hmm. like no yeah. connection there. There's no family history. And I'm, I would assume that if you're really as famous as Mariah Carey, you don't have a lot of close people in your life. So to have family and to have like roots and to be able to be like, these are my people is probably even more meaningful than I could fathom And it's something that's like hugely important to me personally. But like if you're that untethered in the world and your actual family members are atrocious monsters to you, like having that, I think you probably relate to that even more in retrospect. I completely agree. And I will also say, you know, I am not I am not Mariah famous or Mariah like (laughs) at all. But the thing I can really relate to is like when you have like a broken family who's like gone through so much like you like uh, the moments of my life where I find someone who has like a picture or like, se- like basically sense to, to make the senseless sensible, you right, know, and, right. and finding that cousin and finding those people. Yeah. I, I totally relate to that feeling of how, I don't know. It's like a very like euphoric relief because you didn't have, you, you were just so scattered from the, the whole time. You never yeah. had those like Christmases, yeah. Christmases specifically, specifically, which you've made up for with an iconic album and everybody loves the one Christmas song, but Holy Night is her, is her, oh, yeah. is the best one on the album. When she hits the note at the end, it's just, <laughs> all I want for Christmas is you is very cute, but she is giving what needs to be given on Holy Night in a way that no one ever has and perhaps ever will again. I just want to go out and I don't even like Christmas music. So it's a okay, high praise. Um, high praise. I told you, so we're recording this like a few days after both of us has finished Spare, a memoir by Prince Harry. And it's all I can think about. And I told you I wanted to bring it up uh, on this and that I was like, I know exactly how. And here we are. One of the things that this book, and I read this book right before I read Prince Harry's memoir and right after I watched the Harry and Meghan documentary. And one of the things that this book really drove home for me when it comes to race is how full of shit Meghan Markle is <laughs> when she talks about how she's a bi- biracial and she's mixed and she's a person of color, but refuses to say that she's black or that she's had any black experience or understands any of that. And that's her mother's experience. And that's not hers. When you look at someone like Mariah Carey, who truly, truly can pass for white and someone who many people, like you said, still don't know is a black woman. Then you look at Meghan Markle, who's black as fuck. I don't care what she says. You're not fooling anyone, Meghan. But that there's this desire to be like closer to whiteness, where Mariah Carey has this desire to be closer to blackness and like this longing. And I just couldn't get those two women specifically 
out of my head because I've been like deeply saturated in their stories recently. Yes, yes. And then Ask someone yes. was like, listen to this episode of Meghan Markle's podcast and they talk about race. And it's really interesting because Meghan sort of pushes this like we're both mixed and it's not exactly black and not exactly white. And Mariah's like, yeah, we are mixed. But she doesn't quite go so far as being like, I'm not black. She's like, it's a different experience because people see me differently. But I just really respect how Mariah is like, I have had a lot of privileges and a different experience, but I'm still a black woman. And like she never, ever, ever had to own her blackness if she didn't want to. And I think like especially in the 80s and 90s when being ambiguous was so important Mm-hmm. Like that that choice for her to like associate with black people. I just it, it makes me respect her on like a such a different level than I did before. I don't know. I yeah, I, I think that's such a beautiful point. And I completely agree. I will also offer this uh, in opposition, though. I be here's here's my thought on Meghan Markle. I think she was so, uh, so, so drawn to whiteness in yes. also like not even to falter. Like you just said, like it's the nineties, it's the early aughts. Like nothing is more in than Than like bleached blonde hair and like bleached skin. Sunnen? Oh my gosh. Couldn't keep it on the shelves. Oh my God. I lived in (laughs) Sunnen. Oh, lived. I lived in Sunnen. But yeah, so I, I totally get how, and also she's like going for like the Hollywood route. Yeah. And so a part of me wonders if Megan has a lot of guilt about how she spent her life. Um, not like only attempting, not, I don't want to say attempting to be white, but like really attempting to, to assimilate right. and like not be seen as this. And now when it's like, England's just so racist, right. <laughs> they're right. like you are so black yeah. that she has to carry this torch for uh, women of color and black women that she has not does not have the experience right. and perhaps has really negative experiences against. Like we don't know what you yeah. know what I mean? No, like, I agree. And I wonder if I wonder if her all her kind of shittiness now is her feeling guilty. I, Does that make yeah. sense? Like she doesn't deserve or doesn't. Yeah. Or do you think it's like she still wants to not own it? I think she still wants to not own it. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Just based on whatever I've seen of her. But I also think like a thing about Megan and then we'll go back to my but I have to talk about this. I've been like dying yes, to talk about important. this. Um, a thing about Megan that I think a lot of people don't quite put in context is her age and where she grew up, which is Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. she grew up kind of like, you know, in mid city ish. And she's, I think, born in like 1982, 83, 81, 82, something like that, which means she's 10, 11, 12 when the Rodney King riots happen, you don't not know oh. about race. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like she, yeah. she passes this off of like, Oh, I've always been mixed. I've never had this experience. I've never even thought about my blackness because people don't think I'm black. And like this casual, I've never thought about it, but, and then a few years later is the OJ Simpson trial. And like, it's formative years in your life. I'm younger than Megan. I, was obsessed with what happened in LA in the 90s. I still am. It's such an important thing to me. And I cannot imagine that if she was here at that time, which she was, her high school is, you know, Western. It's right by, it's like you're getting to Normandy. You know, like you're getting, it's it's the neighborhood. There's smoke. It's burning. Like you can't just not think about race And she was raised by a black woman who seems to have some opinions about race. Like the whole thing it just but also her mom is on camera saying I never spoke to my daughter about being black which actually is the first black woman I've ever known in my entire life to say such a thing like every yeah Yeah. I mean every black woman in my life is like this is the most thing the most important thing you can tell a child yes especially a mixed child yeah like I, I it's actually kind of that was but when her mom said that is when I was like okay I think you were maybe raised in a household like that's that's really surprising coming from her mom yeah. who would be dealing with a lot of racism. Yeah. I mean, I there's just something to me. I just it is frustrating and confusing because then you have someone like Mariah Carey or like a Rashida Jones, who also is very fair. But like, you know, she's black, even if her name was Emily Jones, like she owns that. Her, you know, she's although do you do you remember that time? <laughs> do you remember that time when she was like on a Hollywood e-carpet and there's this e-reporter and she's like Rashida Jones coming in with a 
great tan. Were you just vacationing? And she's like, I'm I'm black. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Meghan Markle would be like, yeah, I was in Italy. Like, no, that's bitch. True. That's it's true. called melanin. Like, th- that's the thing for oh, me. Oh, like, I, I see what you're saying is that it, it, you're just kind of pointing out her active. Her active association. Like yes. in the documentary, she doesn't refer to herself as black. She refers to herself as woman of color, as mixed, as biracial. And it's just like such an inter- interesting juxtaposition with these other women who are also black who also yeah, are don't passing. you also think that especially especially given the hate listen I find Meghan Markle very cringe I don't even know yeah. how I'm defending her I find her cringe can't you see a world where if she was in that documentary being like I'm a very proud black woman so many people would be like no you're not and shut up and like you don't deserve to say that I mean yeah but I feel like Mariah Carey probably has that too and she still says it I think I think that but everybody yes, except Mariah Carey comes with like a canon of tools to be like, and here's why, and here's how I believe in myself, and here's how I know myself. Megan doesn't have any of that. Oh, because you're I saying you're so. saying Megan is distancing herself now because she's always distanced herself, and so she doesn't want people yes. to be like, You're not black enough. Yes, because she wouldn't have something to like reach back towards and I be see. like, no, see this. And I, I do believe it would if we're talking about like PR benefit, like if she had like Mariah Carey has this incident where the kids are like, Hey, come over here, Mariah. And then they start calling her the N word and letting her know. I think if that happened in Megan's history, it would be something that she's pointing to in this documentary of like, I've dealt with this before. So I'm dealing with it again. Yeah. Whereas like, none of that is there. And her mom's like, yeah, I never had to say a word to it. So I I do believe she's just always distanced herself and doesn't feel like she, she can. Yeah. I mean, I could see, I can see that logic for her. I would argue that like you're always black enough if you're black. Do you know what I mean? Like I know, that's, that's like the history. You're a great, well, that's the history of America, cool right? Like the that one drop the, rule. Yeah. It's like if you're black, if you're one drop black in America, you are black, and that the, that means that black people will always be there for you unless you go on record yes. and act like you've never met a black person and you have no idea that you're black at all and you can't believe anyone would say that. How dare they say you're from Compton? Like that's Megan, true, that's not I, the worst insult being from Compton, Megan. It's okay. I know that one. She's that like, one was, and I'm not even from Compton. It's like, okay, Megan, we know you're not from like, Compton. It's like, fine. Yeah, calm like, down. And I relax. <laughs> and also like I do, I'm sorry, I know we're on Harry for a minute, but I also, I we'll cut back when to he Mariah. starts listing all the horrible press, there is a part of me that's like, Dude, like this is like it did get really racist with her, but like yeah. also like at in those beginning stories, like you can move through this. Like again, like anyways, but to come back to your point, the the one thing I wanna the one thing I I wanna um focus on though with Megan is that people you're right, it's the one drop rule in America. But people nowadays are vicious about that stuff. Sure. And I and especially like mixed women like whether you can own it or not own it and how brutal people are about it for sure for sure that's what I see in her for sure and I I guess my point is like I think she's taken the coward's way out of this at every possible turn and it's just like to see that up against someone like Mariah who, who when she was mixed you know like when she was a kid and she was coming up there weren't a lot of mixed kids Megan's of our generation like she's an 80s 90s in LA in LA like everybody everybody's fucking mixed you know, like, yeah, it's just such an interesting juxtaposition. And like to see the two of them in my mind as these like hugely famous mixed women and how they handled it and how they embraced their blackness or not. is just it was really it's just really interesting to me. Like, I just can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, I, I think that's such a good point. And I, I totally agree with that. She's taking the cowards at, at every possible uh, the opportunity. Whole time. Yeah. And, and the way she while I think like, you know, discussing this anyone would have come for her no matter what she said I think she handled it exceptionally poorly yes agreed agreed okay yeah. we're and gonna, I'm also a little sad for her mom I'm sad for her mom too the whole thing is upsetting okay we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come back hard in the Mariah I'll try to avoid Prince Harry it might come up one more time but I'm gonna try taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple that's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. 
The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about when she starts to get famous. I want to talk about Tommy yes. Matola. Oh, I want to talk about the boyfriends. Specifically, we have to discuss Derek Jeter and some of the lies he may have told her that made it into the book. Because wait, what? <laughs> okay, tell me. So uh, this is just this is just my person. Are you a sports person at all? Not in any way. Actually, I learned a lot about um, uh, I learned a lot about sports when I confused Derek Jeter for A Rod when okay. reading this book. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, Which, by the way, the A Rod J Lo connection. Yes, Mariah then, Derek Jeter. Oh, love this. Foursome. Yes, I love. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know that woman you're talking about. The other one, not. Oh, Mariah. sure. Yeah, we don't. Uh, know her. We, don't, we know don't know her. her. Um, so we'll cut to the Derek Jeter lie then. So Derek Jeter at the time and still is arguably one of the most famous American baseball players ever specifically just he's a famous 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 New York Yankee the star Mr. New York City okay he is like the guy at this time alpha male great player beloved by everyone whatever they meet they start dating whatever they start hooking up and he's like I've always had a crush on you I love your music and then he tells her before every game (laughs) I play anytime you need a friend, which is has to be a lie because I just cannot imagine a baseball player pre-gaming to a baseball game in a room with all of their dude friends playing a Mariah Carey ballad anytime you need a friend. People are listening to like rap. They're listening to country. Like nowadays it's like bad bunnies blasting. And I just cannot believe. Wait, do you know that? Like there's cameras in the. I know a lot about baseball. We have, I have some family friends who are in, who are in baseball locker rooms, a huge sports fan. It's just, it's just not, it's just not possible that like CC Sabathia is walking by fucking Derek Jeter in 1999. And he's like, anytime you need a friend, I like, I just don't believe it. Like, I just, I think he was like, <laughs> but I, don't you want to believe that fantasy? I want to believe that Derek Jeter has so much game that he was like, I'm going to tell her this is my song. And she's going to be like, yes, Derek. Thank she you. She's going to remember it forever, forever and, and put, put it in, in a book. book. And I, I bet totally he opened the that. book and was like, oh my God, I was not listening to that. Now everybody thinks that, like, it's just the most insane pre-game song ever so it's not a real lie it's just a lie that I believe in my heart I called my brother after I read that and I was like can I tell you a thing and then you tell me if this makes any sense my brother's like no chance 
That's so funny. Uh, I love that. And now I can't stop listening to that song before I do everything. Now I'm pre-gaming to just like now it's yours. Picking up my so kids Derek Jeter's lie has yeah. become your truth. And so when I get in a relationship with Mariah Carey, I will tell her this story <laughs> and hopefully make it in her <laughs> next memoir. Um, okay, let's talk about Tommy Matola. Yeah, what a great meeting story. I mean, the way this book is written is riveting because yeah. she talks about like coming up the club stairs and making eye contact with him and knowing it was something intense coming for her. Yeah. I love that she begrudgingly gives him her one demo that she carries around in her purse when she goes to yeah. clubs and he leaves the club immediately and she's like, Ugh, well, I'm going home. And he had gone to his limo to, to listen. listen. And he comes running back in to sign her, and she's already gone. It's get, what it an incredible gives story. major Cinderella vibes, right? Seeing each yes. other on the stairs, then she leaves her glass slipper with him. You know, it's like such a fairy music, music fairy tale. And one of the best chapter titles of all fucking time, Sing Sing, oh. which is like this is this is the moment she's become famous. Sing Sing, and the house is also very near the prison. Sing Sing, it's very yeah. close to the, and the house becomes a prison yeah, it's brilliant where Tommy Matol I mean incredible it's so good so basically it was a monster the whole time and she was never attracted to him yeah and you know what I do uh, one of the things I I really love about this book I wish it had gone into more is that I think it's pretty clear that she is I mean she's just so traumatized she's so young she yeah. needs a leg up all she cares about is music Tommy Matol is like I'd like to marry you and I think she very smartly was like you got it. <laughs> like, no problem. Doesn't like him. It gets so bad. She can't escape him. I think the most fascinating um, part of all this that I wish had been in our history is how abusive he was and how much she wanted to act and how he always told her that if he if she ever left him, she would fail. Yeah. Which is like something, you know, abusers always, always say, like, say. you'll fail without me and I'll make sure you'll perish. She finally gets the courage to leave via via a Derek Jeter uh, dick inspiration. Yeah. She flies on that magic carpet. Yeah. She's left and and that's, and Glitter is hers. Glitter is like, I will show you Tommy Mottola. I'm going to put my album together. I'm going to be an actress like you never let me do, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then she does everything he promised her she would. She fails. She fails. And and she not only fails, but it's like embarrassing and hideous. It's like a hideous. spiral and too. It's like a spiral. Yeah. And he's behind a lot of that like he's sabotaging a lot of that music a lot of the movie like he's making j-lo a star just to fuck with mariah by the way i also love that j-lo got a chance off this story yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like i love all these elements but i i it, it is so heartbreaking what i almost called him carson kresley that's not his name <laughs> carson daly um carson daly that that fucking prick by being such a macho early aughts yeah jack off who reminds me of every monster i went to high school with kind of just kind of shitting on her in that mm -hmm. moment when she's trying to promote a failing album leads to an actual breakdown and we never knew that it was because of an abusive man right and we never knew that it was because carson like wanted to get a joke off about her tits yeah yeah sorry that was a monologue but i'm so no i love it i love it because <sighs> i like i again i remember as a kid being like and my parents are seven we're 17 and a half years apart in age so like this is not oh, wow. shitting on people who are different age different ages but i remember thinking like he's a scary older guy in a way that it wasn't like this is obviously I didn't have any of this language I'm about to say but it was like so clearly off to me and now it's like of course there's the daddy issues and like this man who has experience right he knows mm -hmm. what to do which is He's what a kingmaker and that's what she wants it's like it's so clear that she has this dream of being a music star. She wants to be in music. She knows that, but she has no idea how to get there. And then she meets this guy who like knows what to do. He's like, just do this. Yeah. Just, and has the power and to has do it. the power to do it. And, yeah. and I think you're right. I, I mean, that's, that can be pretty hot. Yeah. I'm sure she found a lot of, <laughs> I love, I mean, listen, sometimes when I'm doing work for my, like for myself, I'm like, can someone just tell me what the fuck to do? Like, just tell yeah. me what to do. Just tell me if this is good or bad. And like, I would pay so much money for someone just to be like, Tracy, go do this. You know, like, so I can uh, yeah, imagine. Yeah. And Tommy Matola would have been right there in your life, Tracy, I'm, being like, do this. Also, you're so fat and yeah. you should become anorexic. And go <laughs> talk to your security done. guard immediately. Yeah. Also, I'm videotaping you and like, don't have any friends. And don't leave. Um, but enjoy the mansion. Yeah. Uh, have fun. But enjoy the mansion enjoy or I'll give JLo your songs. Yeah. 
perfect. I love him already. But I do think, like you said, like it was definitely a calculated decision for her of like, he wants to marry me. Great. Let's do this. Because I want this more than anything else. And also, I can also see it really not being calculated. Like, even though all that's behind it, I can see that only being a hindsight thing in that like she has just escaped a truly brutal childhood. She's still incredibly young. She's looking for her big break and an older guy has come to sweep her off her feet. I, yeah, maybe calculated isn't right. I don't mean calculated. Like, like she was like sitting in her room. I'm going to do this, but calculated is like, okay, I like him. I'm not that into him, but this feels like the right thing to do. Like I could see how she talked herself into it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, not, yes. not and I calculated. Think, and like, like subconsciously even, yeah. I can see her being like, oh my God, I do love him. You know, those relationships yeah. you've been in yeah. where you're like, God, I think back to this one relationship where I was like, oh my God, what if we got married one day? And I'm like, I like cry laughing when I think of like my judgment right. at that moment right. in time and like all the things I talked myself into. Yeah, I, I totally see that for her. I also think this, okay, this is not a ploy to talk about Prince Harry. I do think that the Princess Diana parallels to her, like the wedding dress, and she like brings her up so many times. And I thought that was so interesting because of course in the 90s, Princess Diana is this thing. And then when she dies, she does become this like hugely tragic figure. And I can just so see how Mariah felt like connected to that story because she was an American princess too, right? Like at that time, that's what people called her. Before Ashanti was the princess of hip hop and R&B, you know, Mariah was the princess. And yeah, I, I, she also does it with Marilyn Monroe. And I left, I have to say like, you know, loving Marilyn Monroe, probably the entryway to basic bitchdom. Do you know what I mean? To be like, I love Marilyn. So I I was sort of like, okay, Mariah. And through Mariah, I, I went and got all of Marilyn's books and her little autobiography. Yeah. Because I truly fell in love with the spirit of what Mariah wanted, which is what I think she also saw in princess die, which is this, um, it's so funny because Mariah actually doesn't have this, but it's this um, beautiful blend of sweet softness mm-hmm. and true warrior. And what I love about Mariah is that Mariah is almost all, all warrior. warrior. She's an Aries yeah, yeah, yeah. through and through fire yeah. all through her veins. She, you know, Princess Di is not, I don't She's know She's a cancer. Her. Princess Di is, there were three people in my marriage. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> she's She's got a little more of the like grace and like the understated... Mariah. It's that shyness. Yeah. That like, oh, I'm so shy. Like Marilyn, I'm so shy. Yeah. I'm so shy. Yeah. And, and Mariah's like, la la la. Yeah. She's like, I'm here. But yeah, Mariah doesn't have any of that. But I could, I see how she, like, of course, could, would aspire to that. Yeah. Because, like, it's so yes. different from her. Also, Tommy, the story of her going to get french fries with Debrat. And him like, and then like Jermaine P being like, I'm at the fucking house. Like, where are you guys? The security guards are closing in on me. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't want her to leave to even get fries. And it was her big escape. Her big thing. What what a wild, wild story. And um, yeah, I, he, you know, he's just such a monster across so many platforms. Like he's behind like several women's <laughs> breakdowns. breakdowns. Yeah. And it, it's so compelling to realize that like, that's so far in the history for her. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like she emerged around 30 yeah, uh, to get away from him. And like, I don't, I was still doing a lot of dumb shit at 30. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, mean? she definitely like has this, I mean, obviously butterfly and rainbow. Those albums are like when she comes out of, cause the last one she does with Tommy is the one with always be my baby. Um, yeah. That's her last album with him. And then, and obviously her al- early al- albums are great, but there's like, she transforms, right? Her whole like celebrity persona, she becomes like this butterfly. That's when she starts wearing the like sequin gowns. That's when she, well, first she gets sexy. First she starts doing all the midriffs, right? Like the cover of the Rainbow album when she's basically naked, splashed with the rainbow. One of the best album covers ever. Uh, And also a hugely whitewashed cover. Like she is, I remember seeing that uh, in in the mall. She's got this blonde hair and like everything's just so brightly lit. Um, It was in Utah, not really a land of (laughs) multicultural expressions. That's where the album. Yeah, when that album came out. I thought you were saying that that when the album picture was taken. I was like, how do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be wild. Um, But yeah, I think like that album is how people are don't know that she's black. sure and like Tommy did all of that right 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 yeah because but it was so weird because Tommy wanted her hair to be curly because he felt like the straight hair made her look blacker which is so interesting I know because I'm like the curls are how you know 
Except I think, no, no, I think, cause I read that too. I was like, that's so wild, but it's so funny that she was like, he, he wanted me to be like Italian, like Italian <laughs> girl and like Nia Vardalos. And I was like, oh, I guess that tracks. Yeah. And he thought the straightening of her hair, um, showed you how it really how unnatural it was to get there yeah and like I guess because like you know a lot of black women you know get their hair pressed and so I think he was saying yeah. that it like looked like that like it looked mm-hmm. like I think she says like Faith Evans hair I think is who she references oh as like what gosh. he didn't want her to be okay listen he was he's like he's the arbiter of women's looks like he's the one who's telling 17 year old Jessica Simpson that she's, well, fat. she's fat like you know what I mean right. like his judgment on women's looks can go go right in the trash right can. and like okay so one of my critiques of this book is about Mariah Carey's own accountability about mm. like the things that she does or the things that she's a part of where she sort of like blames other people wait no I'm sorry you're telling me accountability is a problem for a woman who opened her book like this I refuse to acknowledge time yeah. famously so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, because like when I listen to your show, so I did not listen to your episode on Mariah Carey because I didn't want to be tainted. I'm going to listen as soon as we yes. get off this. But I one of the things I love about your show is like when you talk about like, you know, how vulnerable did they get? Like what, all that stuff, your like book Dell test. And as I was reading this, I was sort of kind of thinking of those things. And this is in no way any sort of defense of Tommy Matola at all because I think he's a monster. But there were yeah. parts of the book where she would be like, and then Tommy did this like behind the scenes. And I'm like, did Tommy do that? Or yeah, yeah. Like, can we really blame Tommy for JLo like becoming famous? Like, yes, but I don't know if that's really like he's been making stars forever. Like that's his job. Like, you know, like there was like these little things where I'm like, yes, he's a fucking despicable human and horrible and awful. But also, like, he is a music executive, so he does have to, like, find other talent besides you, even when you guys break up. You know, so, like, there was, like, these little... And that's, like, a very minor one. And later it happens, like, with all the rehab stuff and the spa. And she's like, I didn't know. And I'm like, Mariah, you didn't... You let everybody else make reservations for you to go to a spa. Like, it's just... It's lacking credulity, I would say, in some of these stories. Mm. In a way where I'm just like, just say you went to this rehab. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Or say why you let your brother do it and you didn't fact check it at all. Like, I don't know. It was just giving this like, I was so upset. I couldn't do anything. And like, I wanted to go. And finally, I got to the spa that I wanted to get to after three stints in rehab. I'm like, I don't know. After the second one where they told me it was a spa and it wasn't, I think I would have done. I would have picked up. the. I would have said, you know, I'm going to make this reservation. (laughs) I know things are bad, but I'm just going to call the peninsula and see if they can see me. If I can stay there. Yeah. Check in. Yeah. I think it's so, yeah, I'm, as you're saying this, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, these are such good points. And I also think, I think her being called crazy yeah. has been one of the best weapons, not only against her, but against any pop stars. Yes. And like the pop star breakdown trajectory of like Britney Spears and Amanda Bynes and Courtney Love and all these women who are like fucking crazy. And I, I do strongly feel for, from her, this need to be like, I was not crazy. Yeah. I was not there because I had this breakdown because it's the thing that hurt her career the most. And in that she, I, I do, I am with you that she like wrote around some of the times where she could be like, I'm not saying she did this, but like, and then, you know, I may have thrown a mirror onto the floor and shattered it. Like this is a woman who like was on a Stairmaster in six inch stilettos and took a bath on MTV's cribs. Like her judgment is of grand proportions and and fucking wild. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I just wish she owned some of it more because it would make, it would have made the story richer, you know? I completely agree. And I also think, uh, I think this also goes to her ghostwriter who very lovely, a, a very fantastic ghostwriter, but definitely over overly serious. Like Mariah Carey's a funny fucking woman. Yeah. Like she is, fu- especially when she's like off the cuff, a little tipsy, like you can yeah. catch the, the, I don't know her. I mean, that's one of the funniest things I've ever one seen. Of the greatest. This book's pretty devoid of humor in the sense of like, I almost feel like her voice got taken out of this oh, book. Interesting. You know, whereas like the best ghostwriter really makes you think like, like in Mariah's thank yous, she starts listing all the names of all her dogs. (laughs) And when you hear it in the audiobook, you're like, this is so funny. funny. And like, I feel like there's a lot of messy Mariah missing missing. from the book. I agree. I fully agree. And I think like one of the things that was interesting for me reading it, especially the parts where she's like in having her breakdown and going to rehab and the stuff with her mom and all of that stuff. I don't remember any of that. 
I don't remember the Carson Daly oh, stuff for whatever reason. Really? For I, I think maybe because I loved her so much as a kid, I think I just blocked it out. I think I didn't care because I was always, no matter what, going to love Mariah Carey. Like I just like yeah. her, you know. And like I think I probably knew that it was like I don't care. I don't want to see her looking bad. Just like I don't want to see glitter because I don't want to feel bad about her. Like I don't. I yeah. don't. I just don't also, remember it. Her family stuff was really not in the press for a really long time. And even when it when like stuff about her brother and her sister broke, like it was always in like the New York Post. Like it wasn't really mainstream like yeah. it was really the the ice cream cart quote-unquote breakdown which like have you rewatched I it i didn't rewatch it again it's not a breakdown in in any way by any stretch of the imagination well, okay i'm gonna watch it, it it is miles away from a breakdown it is mariah pulling a prank that in the book she's so just a little recap yeah. for your listeners who didn't see it carson daly is like okay and up next we're and it's ring 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 and he's like what's that oh my god who's coming on a set and mariah carey comes out in a little t-shirt pushing a car an ice cream truck and she's like Carson I came to give you ice cream Carson is like whoa Mariah Carey's crashing the set which like it's clear it's clearly a set yeah. in the book Mariah's like this was fucking planned you idiots like how, how would I get, I get an ice cream car like come <laughs> yeah. on yeah and and he was like but he played it so like what are you doing here Mariah and she had a very manic energy about mm -hmm. her where she was like really trying to rile the crowd up, really trying to get them to talk about glitter. And like Carson's just being such a dick to her mm. that she goes even further with it. And then she does this little t-shirt reveal that she had planned. And Carson's like, she's getting naked here. Like get out of here. And like, and then everyone's like, Oh, Mariah Carey's crazy. It's really wild. The, but it also really tracks to my high school spirit of, um, just the tiny little confines you were allowed to exist right. in as a woman in the early aughts right. where you were like a monster bitch. Right. And like there was such an obsession with these women having breakdowns. It was like. Yes. They, they, oh, and we loved we it. We loved it. It was like so, 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 so important. Like, I mean, obviously Although, Britney Spears's was a little bit later, but like. It was the most important thing that ever happened it, in pop but culture. It was all, hers was also building in that era. And like all the people who were behind hers yeah. were like having a hand. And I have to say my one of my favorite parts of this book is how 9-11 freed Mariah from rehab because they were like, we got to get her singing hero. And so they're like, get out of rehab. Yeah. You got to come sing hero. And she breaks free from her yeah, family. The rehab's like, you're there. not in rehab anymore. But so you mentioned this last time, the like 9-11 to purpose pipeline or whatever. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, this is publishing today, but I, I write a call. And someone asked about nonfiction tropes, which I'd never thought about, but I included, and I gave you credit, I included that idea because it comes up so much in these books of like the 9 so 11 much. moment of like, I'm going to marry Nick Lachey or like, I'm going to get out of rehab and go take back my life and sing Hero on TV and like, I could do it. And I just think it's like, and I'm sure you know many, many, many examples because you read all of these books, but like, I think, and obviously Prince Harry has it. He, that's his call oh, to Harry. war. He's ready. Oh yeah. I mean, Carrie Brownstein had it. This is like, that's like the most recent book we covered. Um, Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl. And like, it, it's like, and then 9-11 happened. I realized I did want to be in the band. Like, yeah. It, and the, the, this is not in a book, but Paul Bettany proposed to Jennifer Connelly, having never dated her ever before <laughs> in his life. Yeah. They had, they'd like worked together on a movie and then 9-11 happened. He called her. He's like, I actually really like you want to get married. And she said, yes. What? And they yeah. got married? And they're still together. Oh, yeah. Nice. And I'm not going to say this is like a success story, but like it is it is the truth. And Shonda Rhimes was like, damn, I want to have kids and I'm not going to wait anymore. And she starts adopting her oh, children right. after 9-11. Yeah, it's wild. It's such a... Such... What 9-11 make you do? I was Tracy. 16. I, well, I'll, t I'll tell you my 9-11 story. I'm terrible at math. Absolutely horrible. And, you know, I'm from California, so it happened really early in the morning. We all went to school because we didn't know what was going on. And first period, we had a math test. And I you know, as a rabble rouser that I am, I said to my teacher, I don't think we should have the math test today because something's, you know, going on. And he was like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, turn off the TV. So we had the math test. I got a D because I'm terrible at math. But mm. then a week later when we got our test back, he gave us all a boosted grade because of the trauma of 9-11. So my, thanks to me <laughs> advocating for my rights, uh, being traumatized at 16... You <laughs> I got a boosted grade. I think I got a C plus or something. Like really good. That's incredible. That's, that's, that's incredible. All the, that's my 9-11 story. How about you? Um, mine is that, you know, we were also in school when it happened. Um, mine is that we got to go out to dinner that night so we could watch the news because we didn't have a TV. Oh, I had to go to <laughs> so dance I was that like, night. 
Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. No, we, we were in this like bar restaurant. It was a really small town. So there weren't a lot of options. We were in this like bar restaurant that like had TVs on. We were like there to like see what George Bush had to say. And I was like, hell yeah. yeah. Night out. <laughs> Tuesday night, night out, for, out dinner. for dinner. <laughs> but I also do remember like kind of this defining moment of, I mean, I have this journal where I wrote in like, war is bad and George Bush is a bad man, mm-hmm. like in a town full of Republicans. And I was like, no, I don't like this. Yeah. I mean, it definitely had an impact on me, but that's like my 9-11 day was just like me being yeah, like, Yeah, I'm telling you, test. I was excited yeah. to have a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you listen to the audiobook at all of this one? I did. And um, I actually have some of it like saved in my phone to play back in my ear when I'm having a very sad day. Um, my my guest on my podcast uh, taught me that. But there's this part in the book where she lists like it, it really is like don't let anyone take it away. Yeah. Don't let anyone take it away. And she like starts listening like do not let these people come for your dream. Mm. And it's serious, but it's also funny, but it's also specific. And I have it like printed out and framed in my room. And I also have that and her dog. Thank you is recorded oh to like listen. To I love sometimes. that. I, this I listen to the audiobook. I just I mean, I love it. It's an incredible it. audio with so much music, her impressions, impressions when she's like. It's Manolo, darling. I'm like, Mariah, I cannot. The gig, she giggles at certain parts. Like, it's just, it's what an audiobook should be. Like, yes. If you're you're listening to this and you're a celebrity and you're thinking about narrating your memoir, please bring yourself to the table. Give me some joy. Give me some, you know, read it out. Give me something. I just, it was so much fun. The, the physical book has the pictures, which are so great. But I, okay. you I think this is a book you need both. I, yeah, it's a I truly have, I have the physical. Experience. I love the audio. In the pictures, did you notice anybody who's not in the pictures? Uh, it's actually, Tommy Mottola and Nick uh-huh. Cannon. They do yeah, not show say- up. However, Derek Jeter's there. The, Itali- mm-hmm. the Latin Elvis guy is there. Tanaka is there. All the boyfriends are there, but none of the husbands. I thought that was super interesting. My biggest, and also her current partner, who's definitely been with her for a really long time. The dancer, he's brought up, and I think his picture is in here. I think he's like at the Christmas tree with her, like holding her or something. I will say, my biggest critique of the book is. And it happens a lot with memoirs. Uh, Carly Simons is a big one where there's just so many moments really deeply impacting your life Mm -hmm. that um, like there's just like a certain I know I don't think think he's in here. Maybe I just Googled him. You're right. That's her friend, Sean. Um, You're right. I I think I just Googled it. Yeah, she's very, very protective of him. Um, But where basically like a certain portion of your life emotionally shaped you so intensely that that's the majority of the book, which I very much get. But then Nick Cannon is all but a paragraph. And when I, when I, when I first read it, I was like, you know what? He's the father to her kids. Mm -hmm. This is like incredibly respectful and wonderful upon further reflection. I'm like, is there an NDA in place? Because I mean, this is a bitter petty woman. And I say that I say that as a compliment. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And Nick Cannon, I mean, she started him on the, not her fault, but, the child journey that he has now gone on to repopulate the world yes. with uh, Nick Cannon children is like started here. And there's just nothing in there about him. Nothing. It, it's incredible. It's, I literally was like, wait, was it right? Like about, you know, when I got to like 80% through the book, I was like, I wonder if this doesn't take us up to Nick Cannon. Like, I wonder if she stops before, like, cause there's just no, there's no time for it. And, I think she made no time for it. I mean, there's interviews of the both of them together where, where she's like, I don't trust him. He's a man. Show me your phone. You know, it's like, put some of that in yeah, the book. I would love some of that. Um, I mean, and there's very little of her kids, but I think that's like a protecting thing. I t- Yeah, I totally get that. But even just those years in that era of her life, like she doesn't even tell us what else is up while she's right. married to Nick Cannon. Like, and they were together it's just for sort of, a long time. Yeah, it's like five years. Yeah, it's very um, interesting. Like none of those albums really get any play in the book. It's sort of like, and her music stuff sort of ends after the emancipation of Mimi as far as like how much, what she's talking about musically also. So I wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I that that is definitely a critique for me. And also I don't, I don't like the chapters where she's like, now I'm just going to like list men. And it's not just because I, not because of any like feminist agenda, although I have many, yeah. but it's because I just like, as a literary quality, like, uh, like, uh, so there's sometimes books are like, you can just tell they're like, uh, what now? Yeah. 
let's list some things. Yeah. Let's list some things at random and say a paragraph. It's like, just cut it. Cut the cut book. It. Like, put them in the thank you. That's yous. exactly right. The stru- My structural issues with the book, aside from the fact that, she, as you said, she starts with like, time. I don't know what that is. The book gets disjointed sometimes. Like, she'll be talking about a thing and then go back. And I'm like, wait, where the fuck are we? Like, when is this? Who's Who are you married to? Who are you dating? Like, what's happening? And so that's frustrating. But then the end of the book sort of just becomes these like little like vignettes, which I like a book that's written in vignettes like that, especially for celebrities, but not when the whole it's book not... leading up to it has been like yeah. Yeah, a it feels real like narrative. You're bailing. Yeah. yeah. And then it's now, like, then okay. I met Mariah. And then I went Whitney. Then I met Aretha. Then I met Diana. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I, oh, I, she throws mad shade at Celine Dion without naming her. Oh, um, what, wait. At the Divas Live concert. Oh, the one who tries basically. to upstage uh, Aretha or whatever. Yeah, which like clearly, and now having read Celine's book, she she this woman was raised by um uh, the like a Santa Claus who she married. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she doesn't have any sense about the world, yeah. and she thought she and Aretha were supposed to riff. <laughs> okay, we're like basically out of time. We're over time, but we're gonna keep. Do you have time to stay for a little bit longer? I have time. Okay. I have time. So every time we always do this on the podcast, the last thing we talk about is the title and the cover. What do you think of the title? What do you think of the cover? Um, horrible and horrible. I think. <laughs> I actually can't believe I I will say the picture by far is a crime. It's an insane outfit also. Yes. And it's it's not a it's not fashionable. It makes no sense at the angle it was shot Mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. you can tell she wants to show her tummy, but she's putting the sheer fabric over it, which I almost think is like Photoshop painted on. Like she was like, cover my tummy. And they're like, uh, maybe fabric from the sleeve. I don't understand. The facial expression is ridiculous. It does give you insight into where she's at when publishing this book. Cause she looked at that picture and said, I love it. Yeah. It, it, and it, <laughs> she said, this is the one. It's not even like quintessential Mariah Carey look. Like I feel like you go with her like yeah. t- sexy, tight, like Jessica Curves. rabbit look, you know, yes. you give, give, yes. give me a Mariah, give me a Christmas Mariah for Christ's sake. Like give me something. Give me something. And also, you know, book covers. She's famous for photoshopping things to shit. This is an incredible opportunity to yeah. do that. Or like, give me a really like curated dream, photo. Dream lover Mariah. Give me throwback Mariah yeah. in a field dancing. I mean, it's like dancing. a weird blouse. It, it's like an H&M blouse yeah. that was like, we got to be funky for a New Year's Eve yeah. collection. Like <laughs> That's exactly right. And, you know, there's another cover that there's like a, I think, I don't know if it's a paperback. I know people got it. If you took the book out, from your library, the e-copy, the like mm-hmm. Kindle version. It's her, it's the picture of her. Um, if you have the hardcover, where she's like at the beach, and it's like her as a child, and like the side of her oh, head. That, that's mine at the back. That's yeah. The back oh of yeah. My the back. That is the cover of the e version. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that would have been a better would choice. have been a better I choice. Also- and then the the title itself is horrible. The meaning of Mariah Carey. I'm just like. Why just why not just call it Mariah? Like Yeah, just- yeah. And also I, I get I do this thing where it's like, okay, let's just open the book to a random page and see if you can find um a better title. Like, okay. Abandoned and alone, without a penny to my name. Um, young and afraid, no proper shoes on my feet, one good dress. Like yeah. <laughs> these are I'm just pull, I'm on page one oh nine. She's like um some lyrics from one of her songs that I just pulled from. Oh, that's the other thing. You have but all these like- songs you could pull from. Oh my God. Yeah. Where it's just like that. That's when book titles really crush me when like on every page, like there's a better title, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This and also, is um, what was the title of her, um, album that came out, um, at the exact same time? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I mean, also she could have called it the emancipation of me, which was a chapter title, ah! which would have been great. That's also great. Um, the album is called rarities and like that would have been a beautiful title too. Like, but she's so good at titles. Yeah. She's so good at song lyrics. Yeah. Like this is definitely one of her specialties. Yeah. Rarities as as the album of of songs you never released, but now can, now that your life story is out there. Like yeah. it's oh my gosh. Her band, which we didn't even talk her, like, about. Her like rock album. Band, yeah. <laughs> the best title of all time. I literally had this printed and framed for my office. It's she called her band Someone's Ugly Daughter. <laughs> Incredible. Genius. Okay, everybody, this has been a great time talking about the meaning of Mariah Carey and Spare, a comparative literature class with Chelsea DeMondes, host of Celebrity Book Club podcast with Chelsea DeMondes, which you should all be listening to if you're not listening to yet. It's a great time. She does a full episode on Spare. So if that wasn't enough and you really want like <laughs> to dig into things, please check it out. Chelsea has a book coming out, which we will all obviously talk about when we get there. But 
And Tracy's coming back on the podcast to do Jada, Jada, Jada and Will when it comes back. Oh my yeah, God, so. I can't wait. Unless something better comes before. I don't know. I know. I was saying maybe you'll just be a guest all the time. I'm happy to come whenever you want. Would be an honor. So I got so many DMs being like, are you doing Spare with Chelsea? I was like, no. And I don't want to talk about it. I, I know. Be. And I was, I had put your name down for Jada and then we booked Nikki and Nikki was supposed to do a different book and at the last second switch. And I was like, oh, okay. But I will say like you presented some really great criticisms that aren't present in the Spare episode. So I... <laughs> Listen, if we need to do a bonus. Um, oh, and speaking of bonus episodes, everyone, Chelsea, she doesn't know this yet, but Chelsea will be on this month's bonus episode with a bunch of other guests from the pod talking about their favorite Mariah Carey songs and moments. So if you're not a member of the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the stacks to hear from Chelsea, Hanif Abdurraqib, Brandon Kyle Goodman, Vela Lavelle, Kremal. So many of your faves were, will be there talking Mariah. So it's a good reason to join the Patreon. Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I could talk to you all day about books. So thank you for giving me this hour. And everyone else, we will see you in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you again to Chelsea Devantes for being my guest. All right. It is time to announce our February book club selection. It is the National Book Award winning novel from 2012. It's called The Roundhouse by Louise Erdrich. You have to make sure you listen to next week to find out who our guest will be for our February 22nd discussion of The Roundhouse. If you love the show and you want inside access to it, head to patreon.com slash the stacks and join the stacks pack. Make sure you're subscribed to the stacks wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating and a review for more from the stacks. Follow us on social media at the stacks pod on Instagram and at the stacks pod underscore on Twitter and check out our website, the This episode of The Stacks was edited by Christian Duenas with production assistance from Lauren Tyree. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite and our theme music is from Tagirajis. The Stacks is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. Thomas.